0: Detail podcast. I'm Rob Hagson, and we're here talking all things at Salford Red Devils. John the show this week, as ever, we've got Paul Whiteside. How's your week been, mate? Yeah, very good. Thank you, mate. Very
1: good. Missed the, missed the match on, on Saturday, but uh, like we were saying before, it was difficult to to get the score on that Twitter updates and the BBC website and what have I mean. you. But great, great result, and looking forward to this, this weekend, mate, against St. Helens. I'm excited. Now we're doing well.
0: Yeah, also, John, we've got Paul Parkin. Parking. Parky, how did you uh, recreate uh, Toulouse at home on Saturday?
2: Yeah, it was frustrating, wasn't it? Just like to, to thank uh, Lisa for, for keeping me updated. She, she was wonderful. Every time the message was coming through, I don't like you get it on messenger and you get the, the dots first and you knew something was happening, but you didn't quite know what. It was exciting. I had a little celebration Saturday night when it, when it all finished. I think I was covered in sweat through that. It was, it was actually harder than watching it normally. I think that's the hardest I've worked in about 10 years. But yeah, brilliant. A, a great effort from the lads and those who went over there, you know, full of respect for them. It wasn't an easy place to get to, but they, they looked like they made themselves known. It It's a good night and a great result.
0: Yeah, I think the people who went over there were covered in beer and sun cream by the end of it. And I recreated uh, Toulouse by five pints of lag sombrero. a sombrero. That was, that was my <laughs> little bit of a uh, Toulouse. Matt in my house also joining us on the show this week we've got Salford Red Devils ladies head coach Chris Bates final week been for you Chris
3: yeah really good busy I'm, you know full time employed actually. I'm a volunteer and it's taken most of my time to be fair. we're trying to make sure that we, we look after the kind of game day experience for the girls as best we can make sure that it's as normal as it possibly kind of can be so it's it been tons of work kind of going on behind the scenes to make, kind of make that happen so it's, it's been chaotic but it's been really good it's a lovely thing to be involved in
0: Chris getting his bingo uh, spaying in early doors.
3: That's the one. Score
0: on me. Me, really. First week of the summer holidays. Uh, good win on Saturday night for, for the Reds. And then
3: for the ladies backed up on Sunday. So, it was the only panic we've had was on Monday night.
0: We didn't have any childcare on Tuesday. But, you know,
3: these <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, ladies in action. Cup final uh, action on Sunday. We, we've talked to Demi Jones back on, on a previous podcast. Excited?
3: Yeah, really excited, really excited. Can't wait to see what they serve up. I've, I've kind of got our fingers crossed, haven't we? But, yeah, excited.
0: Yeah, so if you want to tune into that, we talk all about uh, the win against Reggie Moore. We, we, we talk about Demi's career and then we preview the, the big game against our St St James, uh, Chris. And obviously, you know, it's exciting times for the club. Obviously, as a coach, it's your responsibility to keep everyone's feet on the ground. Yeah, we've, we've got to look for everything around that game that we can possibly
3: control. So we, we're kind of... I've got a full-time job Outside of this But not We're trying to make sure That everything's right For Sunday To allow them to kind of Meet the standards That we expect them to meet So yeah We're working pretty hard Behind the scenes You know You've got Craig Fisher there King Fisher I think he's called on this
0: He is King Fisher there Creative all things good It's full title I'll let you say that Not me (laughs) equally
3: myself and the club's been fantastic and we're just trying to make sure that the stage is set and that we've got everything we need as a group to put the performance in that we'd like to
0: yeah there's loads to go on this podcast we're going to look at the Toulouse win we've got the big news coming out of the club this week and then we're going to preview the big Settlers game on Sunday so we'll start uh, with Toulouse away you're listening to devil in the
2: detail and this is your big match review
0: So, so, Red Devils were victorious against lose. They won 24 points to 11. Great result. Chris?
3: Yeah, brilliant result. I wanted to find some time today to have a bit of a watch it on Red Devils TV. So, um, yeah, I thought, it, I thought it was a really good result. I was just thinking, how resilient are you know, That speaks to the culture behind the scenes, I think, and what kind of Paro is created there and the way the players are bought into it. I mean, you got Burgess flying back, three kind of cover tackles that, that he got tons of credit for. And I think that, those highlights are on Twitter somewhere. But equally, you've got to knock a ball dead, and yeah. um, the contact work was really good. And I thought, you know, Toulouse were were a bit scrappy and a bit ill-disciplined, but it, it took us over time with a, a real bit of fighting to, to find a win there. It, uh, it's A really a really strong result. Where perhaps sometimes you win two big games in a row, a in Catalan, mm-hmm. you, you kind of you see that natural drop, and you lose a game that arguably you should win. So good to see him backing up and winning a game down there. That was a real a real dog
0: yeah and obviously as a coach it must give you that sort of excitement that you're seeing your team fight tooth and nail uh, for every every ball
3: yeah I, I'm sure you know, you're talking to an coach about a Super League team and I, <laughs> <laughs> in well, I think you've got to look at that and you've got to look at those extra efforts that the players made to, to get over the line there and they were you know if, if Berge doesn't make those three tackles and if the not that ball dead and make that extra effort then you lose the game mm. you, you've got to look at that and you've got to be made up with that not only with the effort but but where the effort comes from, I think you've got to be buzzing with that.
0: Yeah. we well, obviously, we talked about Minerals uh, last week. all uh, and Toulouse uh, took their score. <clears throat> the score. Left 6-0. Obviously, thoughts at that point, I was thinking, oh, here we go.
1: Yeah, it's funny. Like, I remember you used to say to my dad when we used to get to away games and that the story was He used to talk to me about old the 70s games. Oh, well, we'd get there five minutes late and Salford were always 5-0 down or 3-0 down or whatever. And we got back, we just bit to see my mum on Saturday. We got back, she said, oh, have a look what the score is. It's 5-7, they'll kicked off now. So we got it before. my phone, oh, they're beat 6-0. And we were just giggling away about it. But, no, uh, to be to be fair, I mean, after that, it, it sounded like a real dogfight, really. I kept saying to my missus, what's the score, what's the Salford score? And it was 9-6, I think. And then after that, the next time she told me, it was 24-11. So I couldn't believe the, the way they come back there. Like, like Chris was saying, I think he's he shown a lot of resilience there, going away from after two big wins. It was <coughs> boiling up down there as well. You've got to travel over there. We, we're quite light on numbers, and from the highlights I've seen, I think Joe is tracking back there. He scored two good tries as well. A big performance, a big professional performance. You look at the way Toulouse have played, take the last couple of months. They've won the last two home games quite quite well as well they beat OKR and Leeds pretty comfortably and they've run other teams close down there in the South of France as well they, if you look at their, their sort of stats so far this season have not really had loads and loads of hammerings they've had a lot of, t- a lot of tight games in games where they've just been beaten by odd score so I didn't fancy us to win that game, so to, to win it I think was was brilliant. It wasn't matter whether it was one point or fifty points; it's, it's a good win. Uh, We've just got got to say, Helens this week now. So it doesn't get any easier, does it? But but no, I thought that was a, a really professional win that down there.
0: Shows the heart, Parky. Obviously, you know, we're six nil down, and Joel Burge gets on the score sheet, kicked by Mark Sneed, and, and Solford are back in the contest.
2: Yeah, I think we we mentioned it last week, didn't we, this, and the week before, that this sort of us-against-them mentality that we, we seem to have built up as a team, all coming from, obviously coming from roles, really. An unbelievable effort, I think. Not only did we go there with depleted numbers again, we lost players on the night as well, which is disruptive straight away. You, you, all right, we lost. You, when you lose a forward, you can, you can kind of muscle through and drag somebody else on like we did, but then... Later in the game, obviously, we, we lost Ryan Braley, which we'll, we'll talk about in a bit. And it's a reshuffle again, another player coming on, playing out of position. doing. And it just shows that effort that nobody's going to complain, nobody's going to help us either. And it's just a case of getting on with it. And on, on Saturday night, that was the perfect example for me. Like Chris, I've seen, seen some of the highlights and the work rate is, is absolutely tremendous. You mentioned there, Paul, about the heat and the travel and everything else that went with it. And to stand up to that it, under pressure, and they, they would have been fighting for their lives. Let's not forget, they're trying to stay in this league. And they, they have had great wins at home recently and that win against Wakefield at, at Magic, showing what they've got. We were just, I think that that second half, I think it was about game management. Again, getting the lead and let's just eke everything out of this game that we possibly can, keep the errors down. One thing that d- that did definitely happen this week, which rarely happens for us, and Chris mentioned it, was was their discipline was terrible? Um I think the penalty count was something like 16-8 in our favour or something. I mean, you're not going to give that many penalties away in a Super League game and get away with it. You know, you have got to be punished, and that, that seems to be the one thing that they need to step up. And we see it the week before with Catalan. They they were very much the same. It might be a, something to do with that Gallic flair or whatever. But uh, I think I think overall, just just the, the, the all-round performance from the lads again that. Effort on effort, you can you defend your line for so long, but eventually you're going to break. And, and we, we rarely, rarely do. And we in the last few weeks, and you just got to be so proud of them for that. And obviously, the other side of it is there's no lack of skill in there. This isn't luck, you know. This is a team that can can really play.
0: Hmm. And obviously, talking about sort of discipline, Chris. You know, if if your team is under the under the pump and you've got injuries and, and players who who were. Uh, probably not fit it's, it's a godsend when you do get sort of ball and and territory uh, to, to attack from
3: yeah it, it definitely is sort of a par you know to lose I, I, they, they give tons of, I only remember him kicking on fifth in the th- on, I didn't go through and count uh, so I'm, I might not be right with this but I only remember him kicking three times in the first half mm. either they or, or, or they give a shoot penalty away it, it was mad really and then what you want is your team to punish them and, and solve the dead every one of those tries came Either an error or a penalty, and you want to say, "Well, let's punish you with points on the board," and they did.
0: Yeah, yeah. It was great. And obviously, big moments in games, Paul. The Joe Burgess ankle tapping in that first half when the pressure was on. You look back at moments like that throughout the season, and and they're the ones that sort of turn it either for you or against you.
1: Yeah, de- definitely. I mean. Joe Burge is a quality player, isn't he? We know all about that. I think we're very lucky to have him in the team. I was very surprised when, when Wigan decided to let him go. You've called him a Rolls-Royce winger, haven't you? That's his, your name for him. And I think when you've got a player like that, yeah, he's good at scoring tries and finishing things, but he also brings a lot of professionalism to the team, like his defence, his attitude. Mm-hmm. And I think, I don't know who said it before, I think like what Chris was saying about the Wigan sort of thing where they want good people there and, and that's something I strongly believe in That when you're when you putting put a side together you don't want bad apples in there uh, yeah he might be a great player but you want good people who, who have got good good ethos and, and good attitudes and I think Joe's definitely one of them and I think Paul Rowley's got a team for I think I mentioned it last week I think he's got a team full of players like that now. There's no egos in there. They're all blokes that, that are willing to do a job. And when you've got that, we had that a couple of years ago, didn't we? You can make you dangerous, but no. I thought I thought Joe was outstanding, and I, I definitely have him uh, penciled in for an England spot because he, he can't be far off. I know we've got some quality wingers in Super League, but if he can keep on playing the way he's playing, he's got every chance of playing the World Cup.
0: How important is it, Chris? Obviously, you've got you get the right people in rather than. You know, players who have talent who might not want to mix.
3: Oh, How many teams have we seen split? England football team when we had that golden generation and United Chelsea players didn't get on. The list endless, isn't it? You, you only need a couple to, to fall out, and then people take sides, and you on. Then you you've got to you've got to be prepared to to win a game like this. You've got to do everything you've got to be prepared to fight for every, every inch you can possibly fight for, and you've got to do that for your mate. And if they're not your mate, you're not you're not going to find the effort. You know, it, yeah. It's, it, Comes, comes naturally, doesn't it? I suppose that you're you, you, you know, be prepared to work harder, put your body on the line it to a different level for someone that you know will do the same back. And if that splits, you're in trouble, are
0: Yeah. Obviously, we, we come in at half time uh, sort of behind. Chris, obviously, you've, had, you've been in the situation before. What do you think Paul Rowley did say do you think to his players to, to get at the sort of performance they brought out the second half? So I think watching the first half, I think I'd have said
3: trust that your process will get you to a to an end results. So I think the difference between between Toulouse and, and Solve was, was marked really that, that Solve would looked like a team where every player knew the job and every you know the body's in motion all the time. Toulouse looked like look like a team that we're gonna play a little bit off the cuff and we're probably gonna give you a couple of opportunities. Mm. So I think I trust it and trust that we'll do the right things and trust that they'll make an error and when they do punish them. <coughs> and that's well that's easy to say having watched the game back knowing the final score in it. Yeah. Um, You've got to look at the game overall and you've got to kind of see where you think your your opportunities will come. And um, if you contrast kind of what, what you might have said at Salford to lose versus what, what kind of Wigan might have said against Leeds. We, Wigan had played through the process and had absolutely no joy out of it. So then you've kind of got to take the shackles off a bit, haven't you? And say so you just play, lads. You just have to try and find a way to win the game. That's probably not our process. And we'll probably have to play a bit of TNP and a bit more unstructured and try and break them down. I had it. watching the first half I didn't think that the game was going that way R- really might think differently
0: <laughs> yeah whatever Paul Rowley said seems to work uh, Paul has uh, Ken Seal struck for and put Stolford in front. yeah I'm talking about Joel
1: Burgess but our quality has is, uh, is Ken Seal been, been fantastic this season I think he's like the leading scorer isn't he when you've got players like that Playing out wide for you. I know we're struggling in the forwards at the moment, but the back line, he's been pretty settled this season, hasn't he? Oh, have lost Ryan Bailey I think, from an HIA this week, but you've know, got Ken Seo on one side and Joe Burgess on the other, your two centres, Tim Lafayette. I, mean, I saw that that offload from him. I mean, he, he's done a few things like that this season, hasn't he? He's been absolutely quality. Dion Cross as well, a guy who's come out of nowhere. How would you shift him out of the team now if he was Dan Sarge or someone like that? He wouldn't because he's playing so well. So, yeah, then you've got Theo and Burgess there on, the, on on both sides and they can, they can score. You give them either of them half an inch of room and they'll finish for you.
0: Obviously, Toulouse got a penalty they're back in front, but like Paul said, Parker, bit of magic from Tim Lafay and uh, Joel Burgess sitting in the corner.
2: Yeah, we mentioned Tim and said it's that year, that I can't believe that we got him from nowhere really in that way that you know, for such a big NRL star as he was, to be floating about. And when we signed him, I said that we, we've got some player there. He, he's a really talented player who, for whatever reason, had become a little bit detached from his team or he's, from his love of the sport or whatever. And he seems to have found that again. He put what a, you know, what a signing. And Paul again said about Dion Cross. We, we mentioned him every week. It, 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 he's just unbelievable. Coming as a, a what we thought was probably a, a backup winger. He's a Super League centre now, and that's that's definite. And I think I think we were lucky to find him. But you talk about the wingers. But we had a little discussion the other night, a few of us, about Kenny Seal. Is would you say Kenny Seal's one of the top two wingers we've ever had in Super League for for, for us for Salford? I mean, can't go against it with his try scoring record. It's unbelievable what what a signing he's been for us. And Joe Burgess. Well, we've got we've got the Joe Burgess we thought we were getting. You know, he struggled at times last year. He's had injuries and everything else. But now, that's that's the Joe Burgess. When, when we signed him, we all went, what, he signed for us? You know, yeah. Joe Burgess. Been brilliant, been absolutely superb these last few weeks. And his efforts have just have shown his passion, his commitment. Because, again, he's another one of the players that he, he has been international. He does, he's played for, for Wigan. He, sometimes you get players who think they're a little bit bigger than, and Salford and don't have to try as hard maybe and that's certainly not the case you said you mentioned it about the penalty that Catalan got and they took a drop goal as well and that surprised me I think when you look at our, our team that travelled there with, with the, the injury list we had and everything else and you've got us on home soil in that kind of heat they didn't seem to to make any advantage count they, they seemed I don't know if they were too respectful to us in that way where, where you take a a one-pointer early in the game, you think that's a, a little bit negative for me. And it, I don't know if that was a coaching thing or whether a decision on the pitch was made, but that helps us. That really helps us. Because it takes that pressure. If they take one point and go down the other end of the pitch again, you force the ball out of their hand. They've gained nothing from that at that point in the game. He's not going to win you the game. You're not going to defend one point for the next 40, 50 minutes. It's not happening. So uh, we built up. And we just, like I said before, we just... We did what we, we needed to do in that game. We took our chances when we had them with a minimal amount of force. And uh, Kenny Sayo crashing over again. I mean, it's nothing new, but he went in, didn't he go on a drought, scored one in six, and now he scored five in two. So uh, I think we're in, we're in a good position.
0: I think Paul Ranah has got a gift there, Chris, having strike on both sides of the field gives opposition sort of the question which way they're going to go.
3: Yeah, the old. All- the shape was phenomenal. I watched one try. It was CO's first, I think. But they set set to get left edge and then they go Sneed, who dummies a drop, dummies shapes a kick, pings the ball out the back to and they all move in motion. They all move in unison and they every one of that, that kind of players knows their job and, and ends with a cut-out ball from kind of briley who then uh, has a lead with him, tips out the back, and then you've got You've got Croft who straightens the ball across. sea the and there's the space." It's, it's just really, really well executed. Watched it and thought, hey, "It's all right. That he, he knows what he's doing." But. Well,
0: obviously, I suppose it's about sort of game management as well. as We talk about Toulouse, you know, making that decision to to take the the drop goal and, and the penalty. Uh, sort of as a coach, is it is it kind of a feeling, or, or do you think it's more of a sort of like a process that you follow? And "Say, yeah, we get here, we, we take we take the two.
3: So for me, it's a feeling. But I can't tell you, I've got it right. The <laughs> You know, I didn't know. We, I thought it must have been the last play and it must have been half time because it was their first, their mm. first ball in a while. I was thinking, why aren't you testing them there? It's you, you're on, mm. It's nearly half time. I can't understand why you dropped a goal. It must, it must be 30 seconds to go, but they played for another three or four minutes after that. I, mm. I, I, I thought it was weird. I'd have, if I was defending
0: against it, I'd have been saying, well, that's a compliment in it. They don't think they
3: can break us down. Mm.
0: And that's the thing about sort of big defence, uh, Park. If you've, if you've got a defence and, and you're playing against a team who, who, who are a bit concerned they can't get through, it's big psychological up for you.
2: Well, that, that's what happened against Catalan the week before, wasn't it? That that sort of seven, eight-minute spell at the start of the second half where we defended, I've, I don't think I've seen us do that for, well, ever and It broke them, it broke Catalan. That I think they thought, and these, these are quality, like their halfbacks are you know top quality. Catalan are a great team, uh, and I think they just looked at thought, How are we supposed to get through this? How are we supposed to score? What well, you know, we, we've tried everything, they had seven, eight sets on our line and, and got nowhere. And I think that that's what happened again. And I think it, it, we all know that defense wins your games. If the opposition can't score, they're not going to beat you. It. It's as simple as that. And Maybe Toulouse had looked at our defence from the week before, tried to have a plan to get round us, realised that it wasn't working for them either, you know, panic with a drop goal or whatever. And, and, and like Chris said there, as a defender, firstly, it's a massive compliment. And secondly, you're thinking, oh, for that, I'll get a rest. Just <laughs> take it one point. I've got, I've got a minute here just to recoup and get myself back and get back to the halfway line, kick the ball into their half and defend down there under the pitch. It, it couldn't have worked out any better for us. I think that comes from defence, and I think they got a bit frustrated as well, a bit like Catalan the week before.
0: And that's the thing about big defence. It's it's what lifts people. It lifts lifts the fans, and it lifts the players. If you know, Paul, that you can keep a team out.
4: Yeah,
1: it certainly does. And we've said it loads of times. Coaches always say that the defence wins your games, doesn't it? I think it it takes that pressure. If you've got a team like Catalan, like they did the other week, seven sets of six banging on your line, It lifts your confidence for keeping them out and you're all slapping each other on the back and all that. But it it also drains their confidence. Mm -hmm. So uh, you don't want to do too much tackling again because it can wear you out. But you can get your defence right and and nailed on. You've got every chance of winning a match.
0: Yeah, obviously Salford led 16-11 at that point. Chris, it was a break by Brodie Croft. Salford recycled the ball, got a penalty, kicked the goal. And that gave us a, a bit of a gap.
3: Yeah, certainly did. And, and I suppose at that point in the game, you're thinking if we open something up here, then I back us to to, to keep it. Hmm. Uh, so, hence taking the two. I, I, I got that one to be fair. I just thought at that point in the game, then it it was it felt like Salford's to lose as I, as I kind of watched it through, really.
0: Yeah. And obviously, Salford's next try, Ken Seal, uh, Parker, uh, puts even more of a gap on the result. And, uh, you know, the Salford fans clearly enjoyed that moment.
2: Yeah, and that penalty before that, that Sneedy's kicked. Is it, there, there are times in games where you take you take these two pointers when it, when it does matter when you do stretch your lead, and I think that that then gives gives you that comfort to go and play a little bit more as well. We knew that we had they needed two scores to 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 get ahead. I think it just gives a bit more confidence and a bit more freedom to play. And uh, yeah, as I said before, Kenny Seale's going to finish virtually anything, isn't it? He's special at it and we've got those players out out wide, but we've worked we worked through the game to get to that point. I'm sure. I'm sure the fans were absolutely in raptures when it went over. I can imagine what it what it would have looked like. But to go over there and put that effort in and come away with well, against an informed team who were like fighting for the life, and at this sort of time of year you start getting strange results. We've been there, we've been down the bottom of the league and, and picked up strange wins when we you wouldn't have expected it or whatever. It was a real, not even just a banana, i me mean, if you're in Super League, you're in Super League for a reason. You're a dec- you know, you must be decent enough. I think we just did everything right again in the game. I think it was uh, for, the, for the second, third week running, we've, we've got everything spot on. Paul role, tactics were obviously right. The, the plays we executed. And, and, and then there were those moments where you mentioned Burgess there with his, you know, his try saving tackles. And and, and just mentioned there about Brody Croft's break. That, that splits the game. Just that little bit of magic from nowhere that certain players have gotten We know we know Brodie's got that in him. Uh, because you're going from your own 20, trying to get out of there. And we've seen early in the season how we really struggled with that, with a, a small pack. You need a little bit of something to just break the line. And once he did that, again, that, that just turned the game again then. And we're, we're in there half attacking and their numbers are trotting back. They're not getting back in, in the line. Opens up space. We go one way and
0: then
3: back the other, and we scored. Yeah. Sorry, I was just going to say, Steve work there was phenomenal. So he, he was backing up on the inside for Croft, was And then Croft kind of tried to get on the outside of fullback and went. And, and how many times do you see sides panic with that and yeah. try and throw the ball around and see ends up in a halfback at, at, at nine? And you think, well, surely he's going to pick and his knee, he? he's going to have a go because, you know, it's unstructured defence, whatever. But Steve's managed to back that run up, then work all the way over to the left edge to set something yeah. up. Left edge that ends up winning a penalty. It's just it's top class. They're playing really smart solford. It's it's a really nice brand of rugby.
0: And I suppose smart rugby sort of comes from the Paul rowdy way. He wants his players to play what they see. That's what that's what he says. And and I suppose in that situation they see the panic and they see where where the weakness is. Yeah,
3: definitely. So sneak it to forty twenty the they have set in the in the obviously in the role forty and, and but set in shape, ready to you know bodies in motion, the same that broke them down for seals first try, and then Steve plays with his head up and and kicks forty twenty in field position. There's no way that was planned. That that bit is off the cuff. Yeah. From a defence that can't read it because everybody else is doing their job. That that's planned. That bit's planned. The the split second decision and the quality in the side to execute it must be it's phenomenal to watch.
0: And that's where where we are, uh, mm-hmm. Paul. We've we've got planning but also we've got a bit of magic
1: yeah and you're doing all this with about, about a dozen players on the sidelines as well so uh, to, to be doing that i think for me the last few weeks have been outstanding i think we won four out of five and it's really sort of changed the season where we could have ended up right down at the bottom with to and Wakefield. it was looking like that at one stage wasn't it, it was going to be a real battle i mean Looking at the 18 points now, we should have enough points to be safe. But the last few weeks, I don't know. The players just seem to have grown an extra sort of arm and leg, really. They've really put it in. And it's, it's no mean feat. To go over to Toulouse and do that with, with the players missing and in the heat and everything else and all the other bits of bobs it against you, I think it's great. Looking at this weekend now against St. you think, oh, blimey, St. are coming. They bring, I'm not really that worried about them. I'm not saying I'm overconfident, but... I'm confident we can cause them problems with the way we're playing the game. Certainly a tough side to score against, the meaning defence, they're professional, you know, they're not a champion team. we nothing, they do everything right. But looking at the way we're playing and moving the ball, I think we can cause anyone problems because it's that clean, it's that crisp, the way we're shifting the ball, the way we're creating chances. Uh, you look at the Catalan game, the chances we created in that game, we could have got 60 points in that game. There was a few chances that we bombed. So if you can do that against a side that's probably going to be challenging for a grand final... It's, uh, it's been outstanding. It really has last few weeks.
0: Yeah, more heroics in, in defence towards the end. and Salford got over the line, winning 24 points to 11. Obviously, Richard did come at a cost with Danny Addy being injured, Parkey, and uh, Ryan really failing his head, after a head test after a horrific challenge.
2: Yeah, I, f- I feel for, for Danny as well, to start with. He's, he's, he's really come into his own in the last few weeks. He's stood up. I think we've all had a a bit of a critical eye on him for, in certain games and he's his discipline let him down a few times early in the season and last season and then the last three, four weeks he's come into the team again he's been brilliant he really has he's stood up and kind of led in many ways I think last week against Catalan he was brilliant and then he comes on. I think he was celebrating his a landmark game as well, wasn't he? I think, he, and he's gone. He's done. He's done his, his leg, and that's that's his season over. Another one. We cursed, the thing, but I really feel sorry for him. As for Ryan, I, I <sighs> I'm not going into a John Wilkin rant, but I, I, having seen the tackle. I've absolutely no idea how no official on the day has seen it at all. I don't know what they were watching. He's he's the man with the ball, passing the ball. There's nowhere else to look. There's nothing else to see, and somehow the referee has missed that challenge. Once the ball's got, I mean, it's it's a it's a horrible tackle. But to actually rub salt in the in the wound is that the RFL or Super League also haven't picked up on it. I would guarantee you if that was a Salford player doing it the other way around, he'd be out for the next three weeks with a ban. <laughs> so, I, I don't, you know, somebody did point out, I think it was a Wakefield fan, or it may not be, maybe it may have been a, a, a Warrington fan, strangely enough, saying, just look you were playing. As for reasons why you don't always get these decisions, I don't want to criticise referees, but you've got to see that. You've got to see it. Or at least have a look at it. Or you could just talk it back and put it on report. And said, look, I've not seen the incident properly. It's whatever's happened, but this lad's down. He's got an head injury. Something's happened. Let's have a look at it. I'll let somebody else have a look at it next week. It's happened. And it's, it's disgusting. The, the lad's, you know, he's got HA. He's, he's missing this week now. He's, and again, Ryan's been in great form. He's been superb, hasn't he? As, as that part of that sort of trio with him, Sneedy, and, and, and Brody Croft. And now the lad's got a miss one of the biggest games of the year. It's, it's, it's just wrong. Simple as
0: that. We'll take Paul's conspiracy hat off and we'll talk to Chris about his, his feelings on it. Obviously, being a coach, it must be frustrating when one of your, one of your big players gets bopped and misses a week.
3: Yeah, absolutely. But we play not until we have to have those plan Bs and, uh, and, and Solford rolled that out. I think as a rugby league fan, though, the disappointing thing with it is that that match review panel have really, really clamped down on all this stuff all season. They've been, and when you're so strict on it, you have to be consistent. You cannot get one wrong when you're handing out six, seven, eight, nine, what? Will Price got 10 games, in for a different, mm. oh, different offence, don't get me wrong. Mm. That can ruin a club's season. And there's, there's, there's livelihoods on the line here. They have to make sure they get them all right. I can only think, as I was watching it, that we've only got that angle that's kind of up in the standard miles away and you can't quite see where contact is and whatever. I can only think they've got another angle that means that that's not worth a proper look. And, a, and three, four, five games in the modern climate, that's, that's the, the nicest I can be, the most diplomatic I can possibly be about it, really.
0: Yeah, it was disappointing. Obviously, you want not consistent, your Paul. So not to get that and not to see a ban puts doubts in people's heads when they see it again in a different day with a different ref.
1: Yeah, you do just want consistency. Well, I was thinking there just before Chris mentioned about the match review panel. They watch everything, don't they? I think backwards and forwards afterwards. But you have got referee, two touch judges, and in, in gold judges would have been there as well. Uh, but they're not being a tele game, so you've got five people, and you'd expect to to see something. And especially when somebody goes down and they've got to go off with it. I always think that if they go off and fail an head test, you think, well, if they bang their head, they bang their head on something. So what if they banged it on? So, it's not, um, it's not rocket science, is it? But, no, it, it's one of the disappointing, more disappointing for Ryan, really, because he's been in great form this season. I remember at the start of the season, I, I heard quite a lot of sports slagging Ryan Briley off at matches, and I sort of agree with him in a way. I thought, oh, is he, is he good enough? Is he is he not you know like a soulful player? But I tell you what, last, I'd say last 10 games, maybe more, he's been into it. I thought, when was it now? It was the Catalan game. The soft supporters in the south stand were thinking he's one of our own, Ryan Brett. And they've absolutely loved him now. And the, the turnaround for Ryan, I think, has been outstanding. And he's been absolutely quality for us. And I think there's more to come from him as well. But yeah, he misses the St. Helens game now, which is a disappointment. And it's a conundrum for Paul Rowley, who's going to play at fullback, I suppose, because who do you put there now? You, you don't want to move Ken Cito because he, he's been he scoring tries for four and in Joe Burgess. So, for me, I'd probably put Chris Ack in there. But it's... A, it's it's a bit of a puzzler
0: now for for Paul Roller. Yeah, latest minerals uh, test passed packet.
2: <laughs> yes, don't get me started again. Absolutely, it just shows that you know I'm not even going there. Yeah, they were brilliant again. They did. They've, they've travelled abroad for a big, big challenge, and I think they, they, they now score their something like the second biggest win in lose this year. I think Wigan might have beaten by more, or somebody did. But I think ours is something like the second biggest winning to lose. Or, or it might have been Huddersfield game first up. No, right. since then nobody's nobody's really gone there and, and put big numbers. Well, not in big numbers, but a, you know a decent margin on hmm. it. They were on fire, didn't they? they yeah. Really? Yeah. Saints were close. Wigan was close. Yeah. Obviously, Hull KR leads. I've been beaten there, so to go over there and do that is, is some. Uh, th- there's your mineral straight away. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, well, uh, we'll move on from that.
0: Obviously, Chris, as a coach, how would you react? Do you think if if your team was being questioned about their ability as a coach, would you want to protect your players, or would you sort of want you to? Would you want to feed that to your players to see how you get a reaction from them?
3: I've never been in that position ever, so I, I think. You've got to use that as ammunition, haven't you? you, you they've got a re- got right team talk for you, haven't you? I, I can't. I, I, I did listen to it live. I couldn't believe he said it. Uh, what, what a what a mad thing to say for a team that's turned out the kind of re- that, that they have. I, I, I thought it was bizarre, but it's got to write a right team talk for you, hasn't it? Mm. You've yeah. got to try and find a way to motivate your players and um, blast it all over the gym the next time they're in it. If it, you know, in, in my eyes, but I have I've never been in that
0: situation. Well, we know what you're going to do when he, when it does happen. Well, as long as it doesn't come this okay. no, no, it'll be, it'll be. Uh, <laughs> yeah, imagine we just turn on you. What's going on, Chris? <laughs> so, fantastic victory for But Let's just a quick look at the, the stats top tacklers, around 37, Callum Watkins, 31, Brody Croft, 23, Andy Akers, 34, Ben Hellywell, 35, Elijah Taylor, 39, and Ryan Lannan, 22. Paul, tremendous effort uh, in France.
1: Yeah, and Alex Gerrard I think is another player that's, that's coming in and I think we've mentioned this a few times now. I think he's been a great signing for us. He's another one, I think, good good person. Good person off the pitch, head screwed on. A nice lad to chat to and I think he's brought an awful lot to the side. Callum Watkins, we spoke about him the other week, didn't we? He? he said, what a signing Callum's been. At first it looked like he, his career was over. You know, He'd gone over to Toronto, he had a terrible time with injuries but I think that time out he's had, he, he's trying to prolong his career because he's playing so well at the moment and he's took to back row like a duck to water, hasn't he? He's really, he looks solid. He's so big. He looks bigger than he ever did when he was at Leeds. So I'm glad he's playing for us. He's doing really well for us. But yeah, forwards work hard. They've got to work hard. And I think this week we've got a couple of forwards coming back, haven't we? We had Sam Luckley and Cintillac and suspended for Toulouse, so they'll be back. So they're going to boost the pack this week. So so yeah, which is going to be another big test against the big Saints pack.
0: Yeah, top makers: Callum Watkins eighty-two, Brodercroft, one hundred forty-six, Jack Armouride one hundred and eighteen, and Ben Helliwell seventy-three. Uh, Parky, I think Heliwell, sixty minutes in uh, in Toulouse. What a tremendous effort that is!
2: Yeah, I'm not sure what's what's happening with him. I know we did we only have him for a fortnight. Is he is he gone back to Feth? I'm, I'm not sure whether we're going to be able to keep him. He's look he looked really good in in, in you know obviously seen the, the the couple of games we've had him. Certainly, his work rate is is up there, isn't it? That's yeah, the, the, the decent guys to keep hold of. I think at the moment, obviously he's another one of those with a point to prove as well. You know that they can do it at this level. And then you mentioned Brody Croft there, another hundred and whatever meters. I mean, he did hundred odd last week. I know it's it's different for a half back to you know, well any any back really compared to when the forwards make hundred odd meters. It's it's a little bit tougher at times, but just just unbelievable, tremendous stuff. Take The ball in as many times as he does. Brody Croft is for a halfback, he's, he's ridiculous, really. He shouldn't be, shouldn't be taking the line on that much, I don't think. He's going to lose his head at some point, but uh, no all round effort. And, and I just want to, you know, echo what Paul said again about and we had it last week about Callan. It's just you'd think he'd been in a back row most of his career the way he's playing there at the moment. And he's he's again just what Paul said, his size. So only when you, are, you get close to him, you realise how big he is. Mm. He's because uh, when when he was playing, obviously centre for Leeds, he looked alright. He looked quite, but he was always quite lean, wasn't he? And just you never really saw that about him. And then a few weeks ago, I was in the West Stand and he was, you know, warming up, and I was just like, is "That really him? He, he's not that big." And he was—he's he, a massive unit, really. Mm. But and it, he's got—he's got pace. He's got great hands, and his work rate has been just unbelievable. And again. Paul was mentioning Burgess about the, the England squad, and I know we're blessed with back rowers, but as a utility, a player that could also fix another area of the pitch if needs be, I, I don't think Callum may a bad shout for a, for a squad place, at least for England. I really don't. I know you can only have so many, and these young lads out there, great players. But when you, if you're going to pick players on form, like I he said he will. I don't know. I think he deserves a shout.
0: Yeah, talking about the carries, Chris uh, Ben Heliwell, thirteen, Alex Gerard eleven, Jack Armour, sixteen, Brody Croft sixteen. Obviously, in in France, uh, tough environment. And you want your forwards to, to to carry, and they did.
3: Yeah, yeah, they definitely did, and, and uh, they never went away. And and uh, we talk about playing smart again. I, I thought, I don't think I've really seen a Super League team try and try and kind of drag a team down to a level. I thought they were, I thought they were filthy at times to lose. I think. I think it was on the ride. It was even nearly on camera. he passed the ball from right to left, and, and, and then five, six, seven, eight steps later, it got whacked, and, and, and Hicks gave a penalty for it. And what was, was kind of thinking, what, what am I watching here? But to, to stick at it and to keep kind of making me to stick, to stick to kind of not get dragged into that fight and not end up throwing a punch or whatever because you lose your head is, is top rugby. Mm. It's top rugby. It's what you need to do to win a game like that. It was Brodie Croft in all three of them stats then. tackled me. He
0: It was. He was. Let's have a look. Uh, yeah, 23 tackles and 146 metres and 16 carries. Well, sort of a player on the Rams there that's really enjoying it and preferred to put a shift in. You Can't wait that, can you? No, no, he is, no. Uh, he is top draw. People, I said, people talk about Jackson Hastings, but he could be the second coming here, Paul. Oh.
1: Yeah, I think we've spoke about that, haven't we, before? mentioned it and this is the conversation me and my dad have had a few times I think totally different player uh, Jackson's a totally different player to Brodie Jackson for me was more of an organiser wasn't he and a, a general that get you around the pitch I think you've got that in Marks Brodie's more I think Brodie Croft and, and Jackson Hastings playing together I think you'd have a good partnership there but you know Brodie's a different man uh, still a relatively young man as well I think he's going to be a hot property if we can hang on to him and I think he's tied down on the contract which is great for us He's a special player, and he's just he's got better and better as the weeks have gone on. I think one thing I noticed with him as well is his defence. He, he does, like you said there, tackles for an half-back. He, he's not afraid of, of putting his shoulder to the wheel and, and getting involved, but also on attack as well. He, he doesn't shy away from hanging on to that ball to the last second. He'll hang on to that, and he'll take a clattering, but to get that pass away mm-hmm. and that braveness, you can't coach it in an half-back. You know my dad's told me stories about you know the great Kenny Gill the way he used to do that and he, he sort of likens Brodie Croft to that so got a real special player in him there, definitely.
0: Yeah, Paul, I want you to shuffle slightly to your right and start because you're doing a pretty good impression of the fan of the Opera at the moment. <laughs> Sorry,
1: no,
0: I'm really dying. I'm not to so talking about uh, big thanks for your three-word match reports of of the matches. Chris Fisher, what a win Burgess. I said trigger next win Burgess. Mike knackered, great dig Burgess. Christopher Fletcher, Twitter updates. Joy Burgess, Colin Reynolds, Budge the Hero, Burgess, Peter Bray, a massive win, Burgess, Taylor Mac Taylor, Burgess, simply magnifique. Sam Green, Super Joey Burgess, uh, Andy Lancashire, Minerals, 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 Burgess, and uh, yeah,
2: what a great win! First off for of the Devils, Parker. Yeah, I'm just checking the Player of the Year, running. I think from what you've just said there, that's gonna put Budgie in second place. Oh, yes. So spoiler. it just shows because he missed <laughs> you know, he missed quite a bit, quite a few games as well this year. So that just shows the effort that he's put in and the impact he's had. Yeah, I mean it's hard. I didn't put a man in a match report in this week or anything like that. I wasn't there. I can't say. But one thing that did come out of it from what I've the, the bits I've seen and people have, you know, spoken to was how good Mark Snade was. Mm. How how he just controlled the game for us and uh, that that's the marks need we we want. You know, the the first game at Cash this year when we saw it and we went, Wow, this is you know, we've got a scrum half who can do that. Mm. Uh, and then he, at times this he season he's faded out of games or not really put his, his stamp on it. And then this week he's he's led us round a pitch, like like the player that we signed, you know, he used all that experience and all that all oh, the talent, let's not forget that. And uh, yeah, apparently he put in a real a real good shift the other day. Obviously, you've got Brody Croft with him, but it's he's, he's great to see Sneedy doing that. And from what I have seen, And I noticed last week at Catalan, he was smiling a lot more. He doesn't smile a lot. He doesn't, he's something I've noticed, but he seemed to be smiling quite a bit last week. And hopefully, he was smiling again this week. And maybe it's just a sign that he's enjoying his rugby a little bit.
0: i be saying to Steve, can you get Mark Sneedy smiling for me? Please, on your pictures. Tell you to be honest, though, it took me a while to find a picture of Paul Rowley smiling, Chris. So it did take me a while, but I got one. <laughs> <laughs> so that's all on the chat about the, the win against Luz, and we'll look at all the big news coming out of the club this week. Detail. News. So let's talk about the news. There is a coaching cinema. On the tenth of August, being held by Paul Rowley, and um, successful. They had one previously; it was a, a big success. So it's great, Paul, that the, they've put another one
1: on. Yeah, certainly. I think if you're an up-and-coming coach, at any sort of level, to get to go there and see someone like Paul Rowley, who's you know putting his teeth in super, you're going to learn. All sorts, aren't you, off these guys? I mean, I know we've had chats with, with coaches in the past, like you know it's a Watto and Richard Marshall and, and now Paul Rowley. You do learn all sorts of them. Mm. I remember uh, learning about eight positions with you yeah. at Wakefield, like, Simon was having a chat, with so it's like, what's the other about here? But no, everything—they they don't leave a stone unturned do they? So, you know, if you can go to that and, and pick something up, you know, rugby league is, is not an easy game, is it? It's, mm-hmm. uh, it's a complicated game, and you know, there's, there's an awful lot of things that you've got to be right. I mean, you, you probably asked that question the wrong personally. Should have been asking Chris about this because he'll know. Being a coach, you've got to study things and you've got to get things right. I mean, I bet he's got having sleepless nights at the moment, preparing for Sunday. Things will be going round his head, won't he? And. You know, uh, and, and how it's going to play out and things like that. So, yeah, I think these seminars are really good. And it's, it's good to have the, you know, for the Solver community as well, you know, the community coaches getting down there at the club, the community clubs as well.
0: Yeah, your lady's at the top of the league in the, in the cup final, Chris. Surely he's got to sit down with you. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Not. I think the thing with seminars
3: and, and things like that is that somehow Super League clubs have got to influence the kind of conveyor belt coming into the club and some do that very well so previously so I was in the junior game and St Towns were fantastic at it Witness were really good at it and spent a lot of time with me as a coach because we, they had five or six of my lads down at that time and, and it, th- those community coaches are looking after your next Crofts, Sneeds, Briley so you've got to somehow influence the quality of the kind of the coaching that they get and, and that, you know what better way than, than Paul Early taking a bit of his time up to talk to those coaches and try and inspire them and give them different drills and tell them where the focus is should be and and, and really try and influence that 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 conveyor belt. I think it's exactly the right thing to do for some.
0: Yeah, So tenth of August, six thirty till eight pm. Uh, contact the club if you what a hey, if you are an amateur coach and you, you want to you know tap into to Paul Rowley's uh, philosophy, and uh, your boys or as our girls could be could be playing the Paul Rowley way too. Other news: Golden lottery. Is being plugged again by the club. Parking an ideal way uh, to put some funds into the, the club and help
2: it grow. Yeah, is this, uh, is this a new venture? Is this the, the, the one that we've had, you know, sort of yeah. one for a while? The one, I think it's a cash of the
0: one we had for a while. Uh, it's uh, a pound, of, yeah, yeah, yeah. pound a week yeah. or £4.34 a month. Well, uh, and I you've remember. got a chance of winning 2750 quid.
2: Yeah, uh, the going back—it's been going back for years. I think the sort of the club lottery it, it, when it was Lifeline. I don't know if you remember that back yeah. in the eighties. I remember my mum winning it once. was absolutely buzzing. She won a grand, which you know, in the, in the what the eighties—that's that's a lot of money. That a lot is a lot of money now, if I'm honest with you. I know lots of people who were in that who weren't rugby fans, not even interested, but it was a lottery. You had a chance of. Winning, I mean, think there's various prizes, isn't it? I mean, it starts at like like twenty quid or twenty five quid, and then up to the to the big ones if you like. So uh, yeah, and it's it's easy to do. I know we well, used to have quite a few people coming around collecting it. I don't know what happens to that. How we do it now? We must direct that through the club, I, I presume. I must be. I'll speak to my mum See if she still does it. You never know, she might have won it a few times. Never bothered telling me. Yeah, no. Obviously, any, anything that we can do to to support the club financially is. You know we know how desperate we are for for money all the time, and uh, yeah, you know, if someone knocks on your door, just give them a quid.
0: Mm. And if she has won it, Parker, one lap, one microphone, please. That's the that's the shout. Nobody's <laughs> <How laughs> uh, funding me. Paul, well, how many boys you have to, fix to to get a grand here?
2: How many what? Sorry.
0: How many boys you gonna have to fix to get a grand if you if you can't win this uh, lotto? Uh... loads.
1: I don't get paid that much, mate. So <laughs> I have to do a few there, wouldn't I? No, we'll oh, a grand's all right, yeah. Just speaking about the lottery as well, do you remember uh, in you remember this? Do you remember years ago, did, was it like that grab a grand machine at the end? Do you remember that? Solid yeah, treating? yeah, it's uh, a, could I, could I get that back where you going yeah, down that, and that was like,
2: good. Boom, and you're getting all the notes and all that. Feel mm.
0: like a Crystal
2: Maze, wasn't it? Yeah, it was very much yeah, the end of the Crystal Maze, all notes flashing about.
1: Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. He's been yeah out the I remember that. Yeah. 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 when they had was the shot there. Yeah, yeah. God, Rolling back the, the days. Then the days. Showing our age.
0: Uh-huh. <laughs> Obviously, it's a great thing, Chris, and hopefully, you know, people get involved in it and and uh, it'll help the club.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And you've got to look at everything the clubs doing at the minute and trying to do. Think when you come back, and you've got to get involved in that, haven't you? And you know, you've only got to kind of start parking a bit some of the stuff in the press that that Paul really puts into, you know, every every pound that goes into that, well, a club that really is heading in the right direction, and I hope people get behind it and throw the weight behind it, and, and it allows the club to kind of push on because the trajectory is spot on, isn't it? You can't argue with it. Yeah. It's a real shame if it stops just you know through funding.
0: Yep, Huddersfield game is now on Channel Four. Paul, you know, opportunity to expand our brand
3: yeah
1: I think we've been on Channel 4 once this season I think it was a weekend game right? away yeah. it was a cracking game wasn't it so uh, I know it's a bit a bit short notice isn't it but I've heard a few people wondering about it But and, and yeah it's, it's tough you know if you've got plans and things like that but in the world we live in now with Sky and, and all that they seem to call the shots. starting Channel 4 as well and I don't suppose there's anything you can do about it when uh, these things happen short notice but yeah it is we can get on terrestrial television and all that I mean I'm not fussed when we're on the telly really because I'd rather go to the game and I think supporters would really but if you can't get there it's on the telly but yeah, disappointing
0: is a bit short always, but
1: uh, yeah, make the best of it, one not
0: I think, Chris, it's important obviously that rugby league gets put in the, the shop window for you know potential fans. I think it was criminal that there was no French game on this week, for example. Yeah,
3: a really sad state of first when, when you've got... The, the French clubs also a really nice brand don't they so yeah. they're, they're always good to watch and so you might not be able to find salt anywhere It just all a bit amateur wasn't it and then from a Channel 4 point of view but how fresh has it been the coverage has been brilliant mm. Mm. really good maybe they show real minerals and kind I of come across but <laughs> <laughs> it's perhaps kind of maybe even become a bit stale with it so to have someone kind of come in and disrupt I didn't think I didn't think we'd ever see and even mm. better that it's kind of terrestrial imagine how frustrating would be though, if you'd arrange for a witness game on the community field to coincide with that Channel 4 game on Monday, oh. <laughs> so we've got, we've got some work to do behind closed doors now to kind of see how uh. that, but you'd much rather see the brand on TV than not, wouldn't you? Weekends yeah.
0: probably that you were on the phone to Channel 4 saying, What is going on here? I absolutely <laughs> let not do that, uh, yeah. Bit of the big news of the week, Parkett, Gerard had an interview. On BBC uh, Radio Manchester about his potential sort of takeover of the club and the AJ Bell. What did you What did you make of it?
2: I think it was probably what I expected to hear. I, look, the, the guy has never really publicly said anything about sort for a rugby league club and his his part in that. From what I take from what was said was obviously he wants to buy the stadium and that's. That would be no easy thing to do. You know, there's so much paperwork and commitment. Don't forget, it's, it isn't just owned by Salford Council. There is Peel Holdings. One of them is going to have to sell something and they're going to want what they want. And there's a legal side. And and then you've got what happens with with sale. Do they, because haven't I mean, they got an agreement with the stadium to so stay there for so long? Is A Salford City moving in. He wants Swinton there. Obviously, we need to play there. What happens to our rent? Does it go up or down? There's so much to say, but from what he said, and and this is the way I read it, was that he wants to buy the stadium and make it self-sustainable, thus putting money back into the pockets of the clubs, i.e. we control what happens on a match day. So we can play there, and then all the bars and the food and the hospitality and everything else Goes back into the club rather than into the the, the shareholders of, of Salford Council or whoever else. That then creates money for the club that they don't have at the moment. You can bring in your own your own sort of staff if you like, you can you run it your own way. Uh, I think once it does start making money for whoever owns it, whether it be said Gerard or anybody else or a consortium of people, they then have the option of saying, well let's put a bit of money into this, whether that be Salford Rugby League or not. The one thing they won't want, no matter who plays there and who owns it, you don't want it to be empty. So if we can't afford to play there and, and someone kicks us out, then who plays there when we're supposed to play there? Mm. Because and Salford City, if they were playing there, play at the same time of the year. this This stadium needs to work 52 weeks of the year, basically, or as near as. So you need something in the summer, which is rugby league, because you're not playing cricket there. Let's be honest. So I, I thought it was really encouraging. There is a lot of hard work, and there isn't. It isn't just going to be a sudden, tada! Here we go. I bought the stadium. Here's a load of money, and is I'm giving this to Salt for Rugby League Club. It's there'll be a lot to do once he's got the stadium. Then he can look at. Perhaps investing or whatever else and getting swinton there and, and you know, there's a lot to sort out. But at least somebody's putting the hand up and saying, I'll have a look at this. I want it to stay in the community. I don't want, you know, let's not forget the way it was heading, and we've all been there at these meetings with Paul King, where it's a case of if sale gets it, our rent goes up, we can't afford it, we move out, more lanes the only option. Morley at the moment isn't adequate. Someone's going to have to spend money on that. It's it's horrible. Somebody is now saying, hang on, we might not have to go this far yet. And all I can do is hope that it works. And I hope that Seb is is successful in his bid. There's no saying It's a legal bidding process as well. There'll be other parties who will be putting bids in who have to be considered. They can't be favourites, no matter how you look at it. And it has to be financially beneficial to whoever's selling the stadium so... There's a lot to go through. People were telling me that it didn't sound positive. It wasn't this, that. It's what it's what I expected. These things can take years, never mind months. I mean, you, you know, he only came on the surf to the surface a couple of months ago. He might be further along than we know. Who knows? He might drop it on us. But as it is at the moment, it, it's a case for us as beggars and choosers. We we haven't got a voice in that stadium as it is. If Seb Gerard takes over, does that then give us a, 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 ch- a chance and a voice? Well, that's all we can hope for, and I, I just wish him well.
0: That was a that was a men's parker, but I, I can't put that in a two and a half minute highlight.
2: Um, no, no, no. <laughs> well, so I, I don't know. I just yeah, I, there's no easy way around it, is there, Unfortunately, but that's that's the way it is. See, people were, like I say, people were disappointed with. He didn't come out and say, Yes, I'm buying it and I'm going to put half a million into Solford next season. Hmm. Living in dream worlds, if, if that's what they think is going to happen, because it doesn't work like that. Yeah. He's, he's going to invest a lot of money on his company and his, his own personal fortune. He's going to have to work out what benefits there is to him. Owning a rugby league club, and Paul King will, will tell you this, and John Wilkinson before that, there's no money in that. There's no, you know what I mean. You don't go in, you don't buy a rugby club to make money because it it won't happen. You'll lose. So, a lot to take in, but it's encouraging that somebody's there and somebody looks like they're going to be fighting our corner for us.
0: Yeah, it does talk about it being a complicated situation. He talks about investing a bit of family and later down the line having private investment. He wants to turn it into kind of an event sort of area uh, with the community involved as well, with Salford and Swinton both playing there. He did mention like Parky said there's other bids involved, but he did say it was it was sort of nine out of ten, sort of down the line, Paul. So it's encouraging from what from what he said.
1: Yeah, it's like Parky said it's encouraging that someone's put their hand up and, and wanted to get involved. I mean, I, I get what Parker's saying about people being disappointed. I think when you're a supporter of something you become a bit emotionally attached, don't you? I certainly am Parky as you are. And yeah, we'd all love somebody like Brian Snape to come along and, and and build it up like they did in the 60s or buy the team, bring players in, build a social club. We'd all love that. That's the dream, to rebuild the Willows and things like that. But times are different now, aren't they? And probably that's not going to happen. So there's, there's a lot of potential there. I mean, I've never understood why that land's never been used. You've got some real, real valuable land there where the ground is, you know, the Port over and things like that. that. That land must be worth an absolute fortune. So... There must be stuff here, Matt, because there's plenty of land there and you've got the stadium and then you've got nothing else. So, to me, if you can buy that as well and, and do stuff with it, I mean, Peel holders and people like that, oh, the land, they're not sort of... They never seem to sell anything, do they, really? So it's difficult to get land off them and things like that. So this is probably... We, we don't know the ins and outs of things to me and what's going on. So, like Pag said, it does take time. Uh, he didn't really mention the club, in that interview, really, solved for it as a club, so uh, it's one thing, isn't it, he, he wants to get that land first, but I don't know, it's a very, very difficult situation, it's a very, very complex situation, with land and buying things, and I'm the wrong person to ask, really, about stuff like that, rugby is my sort of thing, but when it comes to, to money, and finances, and land, and this, I, I'm, uh, I sort of leave with emotion sometimes, but no, I, I wasn't disappointed, I'm just glad that there's somebody there who's interested, and we'll have to just watch this space and see what happens. I don't think we learned a lot from me, and you, but you know, uh, you think these things take time, don't they? So, fingers crossed, uh, something happens. As
0: have someone in the, in the club, Chris. Have you got a, a Seb Gerard list of stuff I want and a, a, a stuff I need now? <laughs> no,
3: absolutely not. No, uh, it, it was interesting to listen to, wasn't it? I mean, he was never going to come out and give you that, the ins and outs of a financial package that he's put together and who's in and who's He never was. But I think it, clearly some work's going on behind the scenes and that's going to be costing him money and that's thats probably not what learned from it. There's some sort of plan there and some sort of vision, spending money with legal teams and whatever to try and get it over the line. That's probably all we, all we really learned from it. In terms of shopping lists, you know, right now that's just addressed to Mr King and we'll see what
0: happens. <laughs> Final bit of news. Paul, Saxon Soul Night being run by the supporters Trust. It's on the 30th of July at the Blue Belt, 7pm to late, £50, food included. You spoke to Shirley on a, a pop-up podcast about the great stuff that the Trust are doing at the moment.
1: Yeah, certainly. And I know Shirley's very passionate about that. She's the, the chairperson now, Shirley, back to, to do that. And we know we all know how passionate she's about Salford and, and why we so were. So, yeah, if you can get behind that night and, and support it. It's a nice pub, the Bluebell, as well. I've been there a couple of times. Anything like that, you know, get involved with the Sports Trust because, to me, if you're supporting a the club, it's only a ten to be a member. Just just be a member and it's you get to... You get to read all my match reports and bits and bobs like that as well. So, and you get your emails and your newsletters, but you, you're doing a good thing about helping the club, aren't you? And, and there's some good events that go on. You've been to, to loads of empty parking where the players have been and take the time out. Paul Rowe takes his time out, and last year Richard Michael did stuff like that. And the good nights, aren't they? Everybody sort of gets there. It's a bit like a supporters club in a way, isn't it? Where we can all go and have a chat and have a beer together. So, uh, so yeah, the supporters trust is cool. And, you know, uh, Shirley's doing a good job there, cheering. So if you can get down there on Saturday, I think you'll have a good night. Soul News is pretty good as well, isn't it?
0: Yeah, I think the supporters trust sponsor Kate Gary, I think. Yeah. Uh, Chris, they uh, do a fine job uh, sort of funding uh, the club and helping them do what they can do.
3: Yeah, certainly did. Do a brilliant job. And, and yeah, the, the support of Gate is very much appreciated. She was she was blown away when she found out she had a sponsor and, and made up that it was a Sports trust. Yeah, a, fan, a fantastic
0: initiative. Brilliant. So that's all the big news coming out of the club this week. And now we'll look and see what's happening in the world of rugby league with Whiteside World of Rugby League.
1: Right, well, here is this week's Double detail Amateur Report and Life outside. well, we don't call it that anymore, do we? Double detail Amateur Report and World of Rugby League, Whitesides World of Rugby League. Uh, we'll start off with the academy. There was an academy origin played on Sunday between Lancashire and uh, and Yorkshire at the B-Well Support Stadium. Yeah, I'm not too sure who's stadium. Though. Wakefield, I think, that. Bellevue, or will call it. And, uh, and Lancashire won by 34 points to 14. Uh, their man of the match was, uh, was John Vaughan. John plays for uh, St. Helens, he's a centre. The, the, the side for Lancashire is Ben Lane of St. Helens, Jacob Douglas of Wigan, John Vaughan St. Helens, Jack Derbysh of Warrington, Jake Thwellis of Warrington, Jack Sinfield of Leeds Rhinos, Will Roberts St. Helens, uh, Lembu, Bad Yale Wells, who plays St. Helens, Kieran Nolan St. Helens, Max Wood Wigan, Mackenzie Buckley of St. Helens, Richard, December of Wigan and Calvin, sorry, Callan Devine of uh, of St Helens on the bench. They had Ben Hartle of Warrington, George Delaney of St Helens, Harvey Hill of Wigan Warriors, and Ellis Archer of St Helens. Uh, the Yorkshire side was mixed up of uh, players from all, both sides of the Pennines. Alfie Edgill of Leeds, along with Riley Lum of Leeds, Connor Bailey of Hull Kayar Oliver Pratt of Wakefield, Lewis Martin of Hull, Sullivan Medforth of Hull, Miles Lawford from Bradford Bulls, Jake Higgins and Bailey Aldridge of Leeds Rhinos Ellis Hobson Wigan Charlie Severs of Hull Adam Holroyd of Warrington Kyle Armstrong of Hull On the bench for Yorkshire was Alfie Dean from Castleford Nick Staley from Hull Lewis Green from Warrington and Ben Littlewood from Leeds Rhinos Congratulations to Lancashire they won that game by 34 points to 14 and it was a good game as well to watch Lancashire's John Vaughan captain, an impressive uh, all-round display with uh, a try of the series so uh, a good win there for Lancashire and as I said if you look at some of the surnames there there's some quite famous uh, rugby league names there isn't there Jackson Sinfield as well and one or two others so uh, so yeah some stars of the future in the making there there was no youth in junior league action in the northwest as they've uh, now finished for uh, for the summer but we've got some uh, national conference news for you we'll start off in the premier division. Actually, Mayfield having a tough time at the moment. They were beaten at home to Lock Lane. They led 12 8 at half time against Lock Lane and were beaten 30 points to 16 at the end of the game. So Mayfield slipped down the table. Uh, Lock Lane are up to fourth in the table. So uh, so Mayfield, not a million miles away. They've got 14 points, 7 wins from their 18 games. Moving on to Division 1. Saddleworth Rangers were beaten at Skirlar by 38 points to 22. In Division 3, it was two wins for the Oldham teams. They both stay at the top of their table. It's East Leeds were top with 16 from 18. What Waterhead Warriors stay second and Oldham St. Anne's third, respectively. Oldham St. Anne's won at Seaton Rangers by 28 points to 10. And Waterhead Warriors had a good win over East Leeds at home by 54 points to 10. Well, moving on to the Northwest Men's League. There was a lot of no results again. I'm not too sure why. But in Division 1, it was Hares Finch 12, Folly Lane 4. In Division 4, South and East, Higginshaw 6, Burtonwood Bridge 20, Oldham St. Anne's A 46, Waterhead Warriors A 0. The fixture for this week there's a derby on Friday night, the 29th of July. Division 2, Salford City Roosters are at home to Cadizhead Rhinos. On Saturday, in Division 1, Wigan St. Cuthberts are at home to Folly Lane, Ulverston play Berry Broncos. In Division 2 on Saturday, West Horton Lions. At home to Pilkington Rex A. So that's uh, the Northwest uh, Men's League rounded up. We'll move over now, a long way, uh, 12,000 miles or so, to the NRL. It was uh, round 18 action at the weekend. There were some big scores and, and well, not big results rather than big scores, and uh, some real close games as well. As we said last week, Penrith Panthers played the West Tigers, and it was a very, very close game, top against bottom you got to feel sorry for poor old West Tigers. They were beaten this week. Another massive game from them. They played second top this week. So after playing top last week and losing by a couple of points, they played North Queensland Cowboys who were second away from home and were beaten agonisingly by 27 points to 26. They led 16-6 at half. So a fantastic effort uh, from, from the Tigers but beaten by 27 points to 26. Canterbury Bulldogs had a good win. They beat Gold Coast Titans by 36 points to 26. Penrith Panthers overcame Cronulla Sharks. They were trailing 10 points to 8 out I think they were trailing 10-0 at one stage in that game. I saw a bit of that match and uh, they come back in the second half and had a good win. They beat Cronulla by 20 points to 10. Cronulla are at third in the table at the moment, so that was a big game. Canberra Raiders beat New Zealand Warriors 26-14. Newcastle Knights 12. Sydney Roosters 42. St George Illawarra 20. Manly Seagulls 6. Parramatta Eels 14. Brisbane Broncos 36. Six. and Melbourne Storms tricky run continues they were beaten again this time at South Sydney Rabbitohs by 24 points to 12 so top of the table Penrith State top 17 wins from 18 games then it's North Queensland Cowboys on 28 points Corolla have got 26 Brisbane 26 Melbourne Storm 24 South Sydney Rabbitohs 24 Parramatta Eels 24 and Sydney Roosters 20 then after that it's Manly Eagles on 20 Canberra on 20 and St George of the War on 20 there's a bit of a gap then to Canterbury Bulldogs so anybody down to St George of the War is in line for a play place at the moment still fighting so the fixtures this week Thursday Manly Eagles face Sydney Roosters that's a 10.50 kick-off on Sky Telly uh, Friday the 29th of July New Zealand Warriors at home to Melbourne Storm at 9 o'clock the telly game is at 5 to 11 that's Parramatta Eels against Penrith Panthers on Saturday at 6 o'clock in the morning Gold Coast Titans are at home to Canberra Raiders the telly game is half past eight Cronulla Sharks against South Sydney Rabbitohs uh, at 10.35 Brisbane Broncos play West Tigers and there's two games on the Sunday neither of these are on the telly though Newcastle Knights against Canterbury at 5am and St. George Illawarra against Newcastle Knights at five past seven. So, moving back over to uh, to these shores, it was um, another big weekend in the Super League. We'll start off with the Super League. It was round twenty, some cracking matches again. Catalan Dragons played uh, Huddersfield Giants in, in in France and that game was four apiece at half time, McQueen with a try for, uh, for Huddersfield, Chris McQueen you know, for a second row seems to score loads of tries but uh, 13 points to 12 Catalan winning that game with a Sam Tompkins uh, field goal with two minutes from time Hull FC, they continue their disappointing run, they led 18-14 at half time against Castle with battered in the second half 46 points to 18 at home to the Tigers Leeds Rhinos probably surprised result really there at Headingley on, uh, on Thursday night, they beat Wigan Warriors by 40 two points to 12 to lose olympic 11 salford 24 big win for salford away from home there wakefield 12 st Helens 13 after golden point extra time i'm pretty sure wakefield were leading 10 at half time i'm sure they were leading 12 and i think uh, mason lino kicked a penalty goal in the second half he also missed two conversions as well so uh, yeah uh, it was a, a, a wellsby uh, drop goal four minutes into extra time Agony for Wakefield, beating 13 points to 12. Warrington, 22. Hawkingston Rovers, 30. Okay, I came back there with uh, with tries in the last 15 minutes from Parcel Ryan and Royal to win the game 30-22 after Warrington had led 16-12 at half-time. In the Betfred Championship, round 20. Barrow, 30. Bradford, 4. Batley, 18. Widnes 24. Featherstone Rovers, they had a... Oh, a real torrid time against York City Knights they won that 30 points to 22 in the end London Broncos real surprise result 20 points in a little at half time against Halifax Halifax won about 7 games on the bounce London thumped them 38 points to 10 so a big win there for London Broncos You continue their uh, rising form Newcastle Thunder 24 Jewsbury Rams 24 Sheffield Eagles they continue their good run tries from Chris Willem he got one and uh, Ben Jones Bishop got two as well two former solver players there and they beat Workington Town by 64 points to 4 uh, Whitehaven 4 Lee Centurion 64 and there was a game last Monday York City Knights 16 Batley Bulldogs 32 the Betfred League 1 Round 16 Cornwall 10 Swinton Lions 44 Midlands Hurricanes 6 Keighley Cougars 54 North Wales Crusaders 36 Hunslet 26 Rochdale Hornets 32 London Scholars 14 They trail 14 8 at half time they Rochdale Hornets they come back in the second half and West Wales Raiders 0 Oldham 38 So the Super League St. Ellen State top it's Wigan 2nd Catalan 3rd Huddersfield 4th Castleford 5th and Salford Red Devils are in sixth place. Fantastic. In the Betfred Championship, it's Lee Top, Featherstone, Halifax, Batley, Barrow, and York City Knights. In Betfred League 1, Keithley are 15 from 15. The playoffs are made up by North Wales Crusaders, Swinton, Rochdale, Doncaster, and Hunslet. Fixtures for this week Thursday night, Wigan Warriors against Hull HR, 8 o'clock on Sky TV. Friday night, is Casford against Wakefield Trinity, 8 o'clock Sky Tele. Toulouse Olympic play Hull FC, Friday night, that's half past seven. In the Betfred League 1, Hunslet play Midlands Hurricanes, Friday night. On Saturday, 6 o'clock UK time, it's Catalan Dragons against Leeds Rhinos. Huddersfield against Warringtons at 3 o'clock. It's the Betfred Championship Summer Bash at the weekend. These games are all on Premier Sports. It's London Broncos against Sheffield Eagles twelve forty-five. 45 Batley Bulldogs play Stewsbury Rams in the heavy woolen derby at 3 o'clock. Bradford play Halifax Panthers at Five fifteen in the West Yorkshire Derby. Then a big match between Featherstone and Lee at uh, half past seven. All those games at Headingley Stadium. There's a Betfred League one game on the hourly gap on Saturday. Got a manic weekend, this. London Broncos against Cornwall. On Sunday, Salford Red Devils are at home to St. Helens at three o'clock in the Super League. The Betfred Championship summer bash continues on Sunday at Headingley. Barrow face Widness at quarter to two. Whitehaven play Workington at four o'clock and Newcastle Knights. Sorry, Newcastle Thunder. Newcastle Thunder face York City Knights. That's a quarter past 6 kickoff to round it off. In Bedford League 1, there's a derby between Rochdale Hornets and Swinton Lions. Another big game between Oldham and West Wales Ra- uh, North Wales Crusaders and Doncaster. I'll just read them again for you. Doncaster face West Wales Raiders at three. Oldham plays North Wales Crusaders at three. And Rochdale Hornets play Swinton Lions at three. So that's all I've got for you this week. Take care. Have a good week. Catch you on the podcast. And I'll see you at uh, the AJ Bell Stadium on Sunday for Salford against St. Helens. Ta-da.
0: So that was Whitesides world the rubber league and now we'll look forward to the Sairlands game on Sunday it's <diameter> of <sounds> the I spoke to head coach Paul Rowley in the official press conference ahead of the Sairlands game on Sunday and this is what he have to say <stroke> <releases>
4: Coaches Corner. Right, Paul, you okay? I'm eh, good have.
0: Good, good. Big win against Toulouse uh, last week. Uh, obviously, you know, how did you feel about that? Yeah,
4: well, uh, yeah, it's a big win because Toulouse are a good team, or um, more away. They're, they're the personnel are good, and so um, you know that that that's as simple as it gets. We stick to the facts. They they they, they put a team out with a lot of experience and a lot of quality. And so to beat them all more away is really, really pleasing uh, in the conditions that we played in. Uh, you know, that's where we, we had to show quite a bit of fortitude and character. And and, and we did it. So uh, really pleased about that. And, uh, and and the lads were great.
0: Did you enjoy doing the victory song with the travelling support?
4: Um, yeah, it's, it's nice to, you know, we wanted to recognise obviously the effort that the, the sports have gone through to come over to France. And um, uh, yeah, it was a bit warm in the dressing room, so I don't think we'd have had the breath to sing the song. So it was good to to get out over there and sing with the supporters. I know the players enjoyed it, and hopefully the supporters enjoyed it as well. They look like they did.
0: Yeah, we, we lost Danny Addy and, and Ryan Braley uh, sort of last week. It challenges get bigger and bigger, don't it?
4: Yeah, yeah, and Benelli, well, too. He's gone back to Featherstone, so we can't recall oh. him. That's the that's so that's like a season longer, if you like, to add mm-hmm. to the list. So, um, yeah, it's uh, yeah. Like I said, the challenges get bigger and bigger, um, but there's nothing we can do about that. That's uh, that's out of our control. So um, yeah, we'll, we'll you know deal with the controllables.
0: Yeah, obviously through the season you kind of sort of play down at our chances of, of reaching a playoff spot. Now we're we're sort of best of the rest. Uh, does the message change? Uh,
4: message to to the fans or to to, to, uh, to anyone
0: you want to send a message to.
4: <laughs> uh, yeah, well, we're not sending any messages to anybody. Uh, we, we have uh, internal uh, discussions where we have a quality control, obviously, and, and we just aspire to improve, which I think we have done um, quite significantly. And uh, and we just continue to try and better ourselves, uh, given the circumstances that we find ourselves in. and And the table will be what it is at the end and and, uh, and that and, and, and we'll be where we deserve to be not as a group but as a club as well so um, you know we, we, we've clearly overachieved to get to the point where we're at now Um, so we just want to just keep trying to uh, to better ourselves and improve
0: Yeah obviously coming off two wins big game against St. Helens on Sunday win that and uh, we can all start dreaming a bit
4: <laughs> Yeah I mean what do you want me to say about that so yeah it's just an almighty challenge against St. Helens um and and we've prepared really well and obviously it's a tough challenge that we're looking forward to. and um you know, it was the the start of our good run was our performance against St allen. so we uh, we have we hold them you know we have a lot of respect for St Helens and and, and what they are as a club and, and as a team over the last few years. So um yeah we're looking forward to hosting them here at the AJ bell and and, and and pitting our wits against them.
0: Yeah, final one for me. How important is it that people are so to get behind you on Sunday?
4: Well, I, I don't think it's any coincidence that our best performances have always come, you know, it coincided with a really vocal support. In, in large numbers, it's always vocal, but the the larger the numbers, obviously, is he, more helpful. And uh, I think it brings the best out of the lads. So, um, you know, like I said before, uh, we, we've, you know, we're promised 100% and And, you know, we're really grateful. Keep... Keep coming and enjoying the journey with us. And uh, like I say, it's 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 a it's a team it's a team job. This it's uh, and that team includes the supporters. So uh, we'll lose our draw. We, we, we'll stick together and and uh, and we'll represent the badge as best we can.
0: Brilliant. Cheers, Paul. Good luck. Cheers. So, so for a Devils face set, Helen's at the AJ Bell on Sunday. Parke. Two big after two big wins, take on the champions. Home, big big game.
2: Doesn't get any bigger, does it? No. Nope. I don't know what else you can say about saying tellings as a as a team. I know they struggled last week against yeah, Wakey, but again, a, like a bit like us in Toulouse, who we went we went to Wakefield, a team who was who was you know struggling and but fighting for their lives. It was always going to be tough for them. They went ten behind and then just shown that that grit and quality of champions to come back and, and turn them over. It's a massive test. I don't need to bang on about that, the bodies we've got missing, but it wouldn't be easy to play Saints with a full team. They're, they're, they're magic, aren't they? they, really? They do everything right. They're just relentless. I think that's the key. And, and you can't switch up. You can't have five minutes. You can't, like Wakefield showed the other day, doesn't matter how hard you fight for it, Saints have just got that that thing. I don't know what it is. Know where they get it from it's just ingrained in the, the, the they'll they'll keep going right to the very end and uh, we're in for a real a real battle um but like paul said before strangely i'm not i'm not worried not not that i'm not worried saints could easily put 50 on anyone on the day that's that's who they are that's what they do but i think we've got real i'm gonna say it minerals <laughs> um, and we, we we could we could upset them I'm not saying we'll go out and beat them. I'm not saying anything, you know, dramatic like that. But I don't think Saints will fancy it. I don't think they'll, they'll be looking forward to coming here in the form we're in. They'll have seen, you know, Christian Wolfe will be watching the, the videos of us. He'll know all about our play and everything else. And, you know, Saints are just, as a team, you're not going to surprise them too much. But they'll, they'll understand that they're coming here for a battle. And they'll be fired up. I mean, I was glad they won last week. I thought they might rest a few this week, but it doesn't make a difference. As as was proved a couple of years ago when we played we played them and they put basically a reserve team out. And that reserve team now is, is making up more or less the bulk of the first team. But they nearly turned us over then. You know, that's that's the kind of club that they are. I'm looking forward to it. I mean, the brand of rugby from both teams is exciting. Saints are always great to watch, aren't they? they they're just... They are the entertainers, and that's how it is. And you watch us at the moment, and we, the same could be said for us. We're probably, in many ways, our mini-Saint Ellings. Mm. And that's the, the biggest compliment I can give us. But they, they're just magic, aren't they? They've got players all over that park that can can just turn a game. I mean, Wellsby at the moment, what a, where did he find him? How did he get hold of him? I mean, he's just he's magic. And he's just one of God knows how many. And then they've got you know the old war horse in... And James Roby, for me, is is an absolute walking, living legend. I can't say enough about the guy. He's, he's phenomenal. Still, at, after nineteen seasons, he's got to be in the top two or three hookers every season. He's he's just class. So, a really good game. And the only thing you know, I, I do hope is that the public come out and get behind us and get behind the boys because they deserve it. They really deserve it. what they've proven to us in the last. Well, the last probably since we beat Leeds a while back, what they've got and what, what rugby we play. They they deserve more bums on seats, let's say that. And I just hope people come out because you will see a quality game.
0: Yeah, Chris, you've got your own big game Sunday. But obviously, you know, in, in this situation, two wins, big crowd. How much is, is on you and, and how do you protect your players?
3: I think you've got to turn it into a bit of a, a bit of a final.
0: Rose
3: you know, might completely, actually we'll treat it as just another game and we want to keep doing what we do well, but mm. you try, try and kind of, you've sent three weeks haven't you as a group that, that that, that meant we've done fantastically last, last kind of few weeks. to so, to really kind of come up against one versus kind of get slated in the press a little bit, really prove everybody wrong, but this is your chance to nail it. That's, that's kind of what I think where I'd be coming at it from. And, and do you know what I'd being, relentless and kind of optimistic. As much as Briley's a massive miss, you'd kind of know what attack you were going to prepare for if you were Wolf, wouldn't you? Mm-hmm. If you have Croft, Briley and and, and Seedley, wouldn't you? But but Southern will have to change slightly how they play and it will be mm-hmm. interesting to see what they do to uh, maybe maybe that adds a little bit of kind of a little bit of unknown and a, and a little bit of an edge there, as much as it does undoubtedly take away from the strongest thirteen. I think you've just got to see it as a challenge and a, and you know this group of has overcome challenge after challenge after challenge the last few weeks. So it's just another one. It's just probably one of the bigger ones. The the Fantastics and talents, aren't they? But they are beatable. So you know, waking nearly pipped them. Toulouse have beaten them. You just you know get at them and do it
0: like that. Paul's gone full fat of the opera now, aren't you, Paul? What's the <laughs> Danger <laughs> Men for Saints? Danger Men for Saints. Oh, it's the
1: old team, isn't it? Really. You look at the outside backs that they've got. Oh, so Percival and Grace and Johnny Lomax and and there. They've got a team full of international players, haven't they? And, and like Chris was saying there, I think for for me the, the best way is to get amongst them. I mean, if you if you think back to we played them earlier in the season, um, <laughs> we we had a real shot. You know, we probably had more injuries than we, what we've got now. We went to as I say Knowlesley Road. Then what's it called there? Ground uh, Wicked Stadium or something. Wicked like um, Stadium, four, I think it's
3: called.
1: Yeah, fourteen ten we got beat there, didn't we? And I mean. <laughs> That was a close. We played really well that night and uh, Atkin went through, didn't he? We we, we could have done the business. So the way we're playing at the moment, you'd have to say, we've got a chance in that game. We've got to get amongst St. Helens and and go for them. Don't give them too much respect. If we could turn them over, you'd have to get John Wilkin on then on the podcast, wouldn't you? And see what he had to say, because they're his favourite team, aren't they? So he'd love that, wouldn't he? But Mm -hmm. uh, no, I'm looking forward to it as a test. I think the way we've been playing recently, you want to test yourself against the best. It's as big because it beat us, don't it? But yeah. I think it's a, it's a good time to play them at the moment. I, I think they struggled a bit, didn't they, at Wakefield? You no, know, they've they probably got one eye on the playoffs a bit now, haven't they? They're about six points in front of Wigan. I'm not saying they're going to take us lightly, but they can probably afford to drop a few points, can't they? And that. So we've got a chance. I think at home we're a totally different side we are away from home. I think at home this season we've been. What I've not got the stats in front of me. We've been pretty good, haven't we, at home? So so yeah, I'm looking forward to the game. I mean, Saint Helens are a champion side, as I've said, and you can go through their team in every position. Really, they've got quality, haven't they? They do the the small things right. They do the basics right. They've got a good coaching, Christian Wolf. He's one of them coaches for me who gets the best out of his players. He's a scary coach, isn't he? You look at him and you think. Yeah, I better not drop the ball today Because he'll, he'll wipe the floor man. So <laughs> I think he gets the best out of that side And they do They play like an Australian team Very sort of low on mistakes In quality in attack and defence So we're going to have our work cut out No doubt about that
0: No Ryan Bryler this week uh, Who goes in full back Parquet One word answer for you
2: It's not that easy um, <laughs> That's <what word>? three <laughs> It depends who's fit. <laughs> That's the problem for me. Um, I've heard people say that, that they want Atkin there or whatever. If Sarge was fit, fully fit, it'd be Sarge for me. So it doesn't disrupt anything too much. He's played fullback before. We know. For me, people are just saying I, I'd like to keep Chris Atkin on the bench as his backup as a backup hooker. Probably bring Matty Costello in and move Cross to Dion Cross to fullback because I know he's played there for Witness. I think he might have played there for Saints before that, years back. Um, you've got a centre in the centre. I like to keep players in position. I hate this. Oh, well, he can play here, so we play him here. I'm not, I'm not a big fan. But I understand, you know, you've got to pick your best team for the day. So it depends. It just depends who's fit. If, if Sarge is fit, for me, Sarge. If not, then I'd bring uh, either Castello or Williams in and switch either Kenny or budget a fallback if Williams comes in that's the only thing I can think but it's not ideal you know we've even got Morgan Escure who's, who's injured I mean mm. how many teams carry two full-backs a tough one Paul one-way answer who? that's not fair he's
1: got more than one he
0: got, he's got about <laughs> 20 minutes pack you
1: know what right? I think for me, the team will pick itself and it does every week so I won't worry They'll only be 17 fit, men anyway. So, <laughs> Paul Rowley, is the pick who it is. I don't know. I get the I get the acting thing, but it's like, I said about putting cross at the full-back, cross at the full-back, though, is it? So, playing him at a position. But, that could be a good shout. It could be a good shout. I think Matt Costello's is another one. I feel a bit sorry for Matt. Mm. I mean, he's not had much opportunity this season when he has played. He's played pretty well. You know, he's never let us down. Uh, Reece Williams possibly I don't know I wouldn't like to make that decision Rob it's a big decision because you know full is a massive position in rugby league especially when you're playing a side like say Helens. Ellens who's going to move the ball you know you're going to need somebody there who's safe at the back Ken Seo's so always, always been good when he's played at fullback, back mm-hmm. hasn't he he's steady and mm-hmm. steady and safe as I was under the eyeball but you move him there and then you move your top your top winger there so no I'm glad I'm not the coach but you asked me for a one word answer so <laughs> I'll go for uh uh Right, go on. I'll go with Sargison. I wasn't going to put Sargison there because he might end up getting himself sent off or something, but <laughs> behave himself this week and have faith in him. Because, you know, Sargison is a, a full-blooded player, isn't he? If he plays well, you know, we, we could win with him. So, uh, so, yeah, Sargison, but he needs to behave himself.
0: I'm going to go Chris Atkin because I want me want to me sort of stand-off, scrum-half-hooker, loose-forward combination stay as it is, best I can. So... Chris, being a coach, what's more important: keeping your spine in its strongest position, or or just filling that fullback role?
3: So I think for me, you keep fine,
0: but but one is part of
3: your spine, so you're kind of changing it anyway. Mm. Um, and yeah. I think if I was doing it, I, I think there's a safe option. I think I didn't realise Saj was kind of fit enough to play. Great mm-hmm. really? know if he can get through the game. a mm. um, safe option would be. Burgess, full-back, he's in on the wing. I think me, self-neutral, I just like rugby league. I think I'd like to see Croft. Uh, he's going to disrupt your spine anyway. I, I think just take the shackles off him and see what he can do. But how you make you know other half I, I don't know. So, yeah, I, I'm not sure how you solve that. But I, I'd love to see him run the earth. Tompkins did it, didn't he? in the early in his career. Went from six to full-back and look at the player. Mm-hmm. He's got kind of some similar attributes there for me. Yeah. Score prediction, Paul?
1: I've not done mine yet so I'll have to do it off the top of my head I think my points in the game should be sunny it's going to be nice thing on Sunday innit so I'll say Salford uh, mind you say it's a good defence aren't they mm. Salford 28 say
0: it's 24 28-24 Dora that?
1: no
2: because i just made it up <laughs> <laughs>
0: how about you Parker uh, what's people?
2: your prediction 18-14 18-14 Story? No, not got one. I've just, I've just, it's come off the top of my head because I, 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 if if I'm dead honest, I think Saints will win. So but I'm going eighteen fourteen, Salford.
0: What's your?
3: I just get big game
2: of.
0: on Sunday, Chris. Not yours, the men.
2: You go, yeah, yeah. to
3: go eight. And I'm going to go last minute penalty need. Oh. Yeah. Halfway, on the top top, top man.
0: Top man. That's what it's all about. I'm going to go Salford to win. I think it's going to be fun in the sun for Paul Rowley's men. So I'm going to go Salford 30, Saints 12. And Brody Croft scores twice. From, from full-back. Correct. <laughs> so, yeah, we're hoping for a for a big win and uh, keep our minerals flowing. Parker?
2: Yeah, it's important. We, we've got ourselves in a sick spot now, haven't we? But I mean, following this game, the, the, the teams we play are more or less all around us, this is this is the you know the, the, the big the big test. If we get anything from this, the confidence that'll give us going forward, you know, into to Huddersfield and, and Hull coming up and Leeds, Cass, Warrington, they're all you know, they're all winnable. If you can beat Saints, let's be honest, if you can beat anyone, it doesn't really matter. But to keep that momentum going, it's it's a big game, but like Paul said before, we get beat off Saints. Is anyone surprised or shocked or upset? Not really. They're a phenomenal side in the top of the league for that reason. So we've nothing to lose, um, unlike last week where we did have to lose. I think. I think be, uh, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, that's, that's yeah, Sorry. Indeed. Um, no, I think I think it be I think it be a great game. I think two entertaining teams throwing the ball about in the sunshine. Decent crowd on. I don't know what more, what more you can want from a Sunday afternoon except perhaps to go and see our women go and win a trophy. Mm.
0: It's, been a, it's been a really good podcast, Chris. Big thanks for joining us on on the podcast. Good luck on Sunday. We're all behind you. Yeah,
3: absolutely loved it. Thanks ever so much. And, and sincerely, thanks for all your support. It, it really is appreciated. It really is.
0: Another great show. Paul talking all things. Uh, so Red Devils.
1: Yeah, I just like to wish Chris and the ladies all the best. You know, you know, go and smash it, go and win that trophy on on, on Sunday. It should be, should be a great day for you. Deserve it all the hard work that you put in this season. So good luck. And as for the first team, you know, let's hope we can get a result. But let's hope we don't get any injuries. I mean, if we get beat, let's just no more injuries. We don't have more people missing for the week after. So, uh, so yeah, looking forward to it. Good luck, Chris.
0: Yeah, big thanks to this week's uh, Devil in Detail podcast. i have You can find us on Facebook, Devil the Detail SRD. You can find us on Twitter at DITD And you can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Radio Contact, Spotify, and YouTube. See you soon.